Hello, hello and welcome. We are back. It is Trucking Answers. It's exciting because we're doing another podcast. I love getting in touch with everybody out there, so let's do it. This is Trucking Answers, the podcast where you only get me through your ear hole, which most people love. And in fact, 8 out of 10 lunch ladies surveyed preferred Trucking Answers, the podcast, over any other trucking podcast. They also said, fix it and forget it. So... Who knows what exactly they're talking about. (laughs) I'm here today with Gracie, my orange co-host, who is sort of awake, and I think she may have something to say as the show goes on. We're still in 41 countries, and I was going to say only, but you know, that's pretty amazing that, you know, some schlub can just do a podcast and be in 41 countries, so I think that's pretty awesome. The biggest metro area is Chicago still, so that seems to trade off a little bit. Uh, Chicago's been in the lead for a while, trades off with Dallas, of all things, so we trade off back and forth, but right now Chicago, that title in town, right, has the most downloads of any metropolitan area in the United States. So today we're going to have some trucking news, we're going to have some automotive news, and then I'm going to tell you a reason we do not live on Mars. Do you know why we don't live on Mars? It's right there. There's plenty of real estate. From what I understand, there's some vacant land available. Okay, but we don't live there because there's a bunch of dumb idiot people that live on this planet that we have to constantly support with our money when we could be using that money to blast off and get to the red planet in just months. So we will discuss that as the show goes on. I was talking this over with someone the other day, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to relate my story of my time at North American Van Lines. Now, I tried to remember as much as I could, because when you're in your extreme upper 30s, it is difficult to remember things. And early in my trucking career, I had many jobs. All right, so I would say for five, the first five or six years, I bet I had 20 jobs, maybe more. All right, so... It was easier to get another job then. There wasn't any DAC report or anything like that. So it was a lot simpler. You didn't have to report all your jobs. You could just put down unemployed. Okay, so I went to went to North American Van Lines. And for the life of me, I couldn't remember why I went there. It seems like at one point I may have applied there. And they called me later. And they're like, do you want to come and work now? We've got an opening. And I guess I said yes. So I was living in Hammond, and I just can't remember why I went there. Anyhow, I did go there, and they're like, all right, come in Friday. You're going to do a St. Louis on Friday. I thought, all right, that's pretty awesome. So I get there, and by the way, they didn't. I didn't know where to put my motorcycle. This is when I was still a rough rider, basically, cruising around town, creating havoc on my KZ400 in Kawasaki Green. So. He goes, put it in the building, and this will be important later. So I put it in the warehouse, get the truck. He's there's your truck, trailer, whatever. And, I'm, and there was a dude that was going to go with me because I was just new there at North American. Although I had a couple of years of driving by this time. I do remember that. I was, wasn't like I was like super experienced, but I, it's not like most of my first job or anything like that. And then we get in the truck. This is a cab over, an international cab over. Blue, hard to believe. Blue? white, Maybe white. <laughs> I'm even amazed myself. Well, boy, this is a great story, Mark. You don't even know your own stories. That's awesome. And I'm like, all right. So I'm like, what do we go down, 55 or whatever? This is the Chicagoland area. He's like, oh, no, we're going. He gives me like an address in Palatine or something. I'm like, what? That's a suburb of Chicago. 
So we go over there, and he's like, turn left here, turn right. He's like the an aggravated um, GPS voice. Turn, hey, turn left, turn left, turn left. And we get up, we go to like somebody's house. Now, look, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, apparently. So we show up at this person's house early in the morning, and guess what? We got to put their house in the trailer. And I'm like, so what do I wait here? Or And I swear to you, I said that, and... He's like, no, you unload the house with the rest of us. And I thought, well, ain't that a thing? So it turns out stuff in people's houses gets heavier and heavier the longer the day goes. And you have to load and they're putting everything and wrapping it in these blankets. And I assume now know it. I know they probably charged people $12 a blanket or whatever for these old lice encrusted blankets that they used. And people have heavy stuff, and they have light stuff, and weird shaped stuff, and everything has to go out, and don't break anything. So by the end of the day, we have this person's house in our trailer, and then he's like, all right, now we're going to St. Louis. I'm like, St. Louis, I'm a sweaty, glistening mess. Yeah, and get that picture in your mind as I run an ice cube down my throat. Oh, yes, it's so refreshingly cool. I was so sweaty. (laughs) I'll wait now while everybody vomits. <laughs> Even the cat is gonna leave, so, so we got to drive overnight to St. Louis. And we get down there, get to sleep a couple of hours, and then go to these people's house in the morning, their new house, whatever, and the reverse of what we did, which took longer because everything. Oh, this box. Where does that box go? I don't know, Mabel. Where did you do? I don't know. I don't know. What did you do? Okay, so we unload their whole house, 15 pianos or whatever it just seemed like. Now it's evening, like late evening, and he's like, well, all right, let's go back to Chicago. I'm like, what? I've slept like three hours. What do you, oh, yeah, this is what we do or whatever, you know, so then we drive back to Chicago. So now we're there Sunday morning. And I'm like, is this it? Finally, no. He goes, well, tomorrow we got to come in, you know, and redo the trailers and do all this other stuff. I'm like, forget all this. Are you kidding me? So, so I couldn't get my motorcycle. I'm like, I need my bike. He goes, well, you know, nobody comes in till eight. I said, what do you mean? It's like two in the morning. Nobody's going to, he goes, well, you can't get in the building. I said, well, then why did you goofballs have me put it in there? I can't even get home. Well, they came in at eight or I slept in the truck in the parking lot. And they come in, and I'm like, open that stupid door so I can get my motorcycle out of here. He goes, well, and then we're going to do pads and count stuff. I'm like, look, I got to get home. I got stuff to, that's going on. I got to get a shower, and, you know, this is a disaster. I'm still in the same clothes, even though I should have brought some new clothes. I'm like, no way. So I go back home. He goes, all right, well, you can come in tomorrow then morning, and we're going to go do another thing. I said, fine. And that was the last I ever spoke to anybody at North American Van Lines, by the way. They did give me four shirts, which I did take with me and never returned, but they didn't pay me, so I feel like uh, they got their money worth out of those shirts. Now, today I would have demanded my paycheck, filled out the forms in Illinois and everything, but uh, then I just didn't care at that point. I was just happy to get out of there. And it turns out when you are a driver for North American, at least then, household division, a lot of your work is not driving. You know, I always understood that they hired me to drive. Anybody can load the trailer, okay, but it takes someone with a license to drive the truck. So I felt like, you know, I don't know why I'm doing all this work 
and hardly any driving. And they can't be legal. All right, I slept a couple of hours in like two days. They were lucky that I was in my extreme, you know, lower 20s at that point. So I was able uh, to actually do that. I don't know if I could stay awake now. I might have crashed on the way back or something. Wanted to stop. It just was too much work with no sleep. If that still goes on today, that's, you know, that's too bad. That shouldn't happen. That was quite an unsafe thing, an unsafe way to run trucking. I just didn't, and I just quit at that point because at that age, right, I didn't care. And when you just quit a job like that back then, and so then you apply somewhere else, you just don't put them down. I never put it down because I was only there three days and there was no DAC. Now that would be on your DAC. You'd have to put it down, explain everything. Then you didn't. There's three days and quit and you don't have to put anything down. Nobody thinks anything about you being unemployed three days or a week or something like that. That wouldn't have been a big problem then. So it was much easier to change jobs then. It, it gave the benefit to the employee rather than the employer. Now they can say stupid stuff on your DAC and you'd have to put all these 50 million different jobs down then no so sometimes you know you would apply you might have had five jobs in your past but if they were quick like that you didn't put any of them down you just put down unemployed for the last month and so i'm still trying to find a job and that was not a big deal because there'd have been no way for them to find out that you were working somewhere and it's true you wouldn't get credit for the experience but you know a round trip to st louis is not going to really up your experience miles for the next company so that wasn't really a big problem and it was easier for you to change jobs then than it than it is now i think that that may have been part of why people stayed then because you could just get another job now you get a couple of jobs like that that are lousy jobs that really didn't explain anything to you and those go on your deck and the next place won't hire you so the system is kind of eating itself up that way I never went back and worked for another moving company or anything like that again. Look, if you do it, uh, more power to you. I think it's way more work than it needs to be. They should hire people to do that and have the person as a driver, especially if they want the driver to be alert and awake to drive safely. You can't really unload all day. That really should have been logged, to be honest with you. That's work. So all that day, you know, the base of the whole weekend was basically illegal even then. <laughs> even then, which was a little bit more loose than it is now, that was not a legal drive. And uh, I don't know what the company made. North American probably charged them 2000 to start with. And then when they got there, they're like, oh, well, there we had extra charges and padding and, you know, all this is, so it's really $12,000 or whatever. That's how these places work. I would never use a moving company personally to move my stuff. I'd burn it before I would do that. Because the cost of the move, you're just going to get hosed on it. That's how I think they work most of the time. What I couldn't fit into a U-Haul or whatever, I'll just burn or give away free on Craigslist. So that's how that would work. But that was my time at North America. Has anybody else had these kind of you know moving bed bugger experiences, as they say? I know some people love it. They do their whole life of it. It just wasn't my kind of thing, really. I want to talk about this breaking news. I did a video about it on my uh, Tony Award winning YouTube channel, which you can go check out over there. The uh, driver in the accident in Colorado on I-70 who had his sentence was 110 years. For those of you that have not heard, although it is all over the news at the moment, uh, many of you astute viewers and listeners sent the articles to me as well, which I appreciate. He had his sentence commuted by the governor to 10 years. He was up for, um, in January of 2022, he was up for the sentence to be looked at. Another judge was going to look at the sentence and see if it was appropriate and all that kind of thing. The governor commuted it to 10 years. Okay, the governor could commute it. He could have, 
wiped it out completely. He could have get random clemency, all this, but he didn't. He commuted it to 10 years. The driver will be eligible for parole in 2026. All right, so, and you know what? I, I agree with that I, because there's so many people involved in this that aren't going to pay any price at all. Why does it all fall on the driver? The companies, all this, they do all this garbage stuff, and then who pays for it? The driver. The driver pays for it. And people have written to me and said, Mark, he should have known. He should have checked. How do you know to check if you've never been there? And that's a legitimate question. So how would you know to check anything? From what I read, he's only driven in Texas. Okay. He's only, and from what I understand, there's not a lot of mountains in Texas, you know. So the thing is, you're now you're on I-70, right? One of the biggest downgrades in the country, you know. And how would you know to check into that? And how would you know what to look up? How do I drive down a downgrade? I mean, you're going to YouTube that up. Uh, you're going to, you know, go to the library and look in the encyclopedia. I don't know. You just, people need to be trained more than they are. There should be some kind of training, especially for these large downgrades. There should be kind of, a number of people wrote in and said there should be an endorsement. And there also should be a flatbed endorsement, which I agree with that. Flatbed, um, you know, deck right whatever should be a, an endorsement absolutely there's a lot more to it uh, although that isn't this driver's problem um you know he did have a flatbed but that wasn't the reason that he didn't get down this grade we don't know if he could read the signs unknown he did have an interpreter you know 391 whatever i wrote it on the uh, video which i don't have written down here they they're pretty clear fmcsa is clear that you have to be able to converse with an authority you know, and converse in English language. So if he can't do that, he can't qualify. So why isn't the state up for something? You know, why shouldn't the state have some kind of culpability? How about that for a nice big word, culpability? Uh, there's a college word for everybody that's got a degree. How about, you know, why shouldn't the company be in on that? Other companies do get sued for this kind of thing. where And they only get sued monetarily, though. That's the problem. They say, okay, well, your driver shouldn't have been out there and you should have trained them. You know, that's always in the back of, a lot of these lawsuits is the training that the driver had, you know, ongoing training, current training, company policies, that kind of thing. But the companies are only sued monetarily. And the company that this driver drove for, which only had a few drivers, closed huh, and opened up under a new name at the same address. Although I'm sure the owner would say, well, this is a completely different company. We have nothing to do with that company. And they probably legally don't. And that's even a bigger problem. But the people there at the company sending them out and certainly the buck stops at the top so it should certainly start there if it did you know if the owners of the companies had to or ceos or whatever they got charged criminally oh you better believe there'd be training wouldn't there you better believe there'd be training but they get to walk on this stuff don't they they get to skate out of it it doesn't affect them maybe monetarily maybe not that is bk this little place start a new name and no problem, right? No problem for them. They get to stay in business. The only one that pays is the driver, and that isn't right. This driver is a victim of the system, of the system. So he's still getting a felony, right? He's still getting all these charges. He just has commuted to 10 years. And look, that's a long time in jail. You ever been in jail? That's not great. Okay, that's a lot of honey buns you got to pay out to, uh, you know, keep your uh, rear intact. So <laughs> basically, so what's all I'm saying is that's still time. That is real time. I know I know people died. I know it. And the, the reason they died is not just because this driver's actions. It's because of the actions of the entire industry over decades that leads up to this day. 
that is another reason why I died. And until that's settled, this driver can't be the one that pays all the price for it. It's not right. It isn't fair. And so I think what the governor did personally, I think it is a good thing. I think what he did is the right thing. I wish the governor could charge these other people. He can't. But I wish that would happen. That, I'll tell you what, think about that. Say, when if it was seen that a driver was proven in court, had insufficient training and was sent somewhere, that the owner or CEO or the heads of the company would have to serve time. Do you think there'd be training? You bet there'd be training. All right, but there isn't because they have no they have no culpability. Oh, there we go again, right? They, they're they not in on it. They have nothing to do with it. And so they they don't care. They just don't care. And that has to change in the industry. When that changes, you know, then we'll have a better industry. Till then, it is what it is. Have you seen the new F-150 with built-in scale in the bed? Oh, my gosh. This is really something. So the bed has a scale built into it. And it is in the taillights. There is a four-section, a small four-section part of the taillights that lights up, you know, one section at a time based on the weight that is in the bed of the truck on, you know, select models, as they say, certain models that have this built-in scale. Isn't that amazing? Why haven't pickup trucks have a built-in scale up to this point anyways, considering how much weight they get put in them? I will say there's two sides to this, too. There's something else you should think about. Now, one, it makes it a lot easier to see how much weight you've put in there. Four lights is the maximum amount that you can put in there. So you've maxed out the weight of the tailgate and that would or the, um, you know, the bed. And that works either way for a load that's in there or a trailer that's pushing down, whatever it is. Right. So that's pretty good. I like that. The other side of this is think about this. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if you. If you do not follow the manufacturer's recommendations on the vehicle, they can void the warranty on your vehicle. Okay, that includes towing or overloading your vehicle or driving it off-road. Okay, even, by the way, even Jeeps in their owner's manual tell you you cannot drive it off of a public road. Okay, and that's in the owner's manual. Now, people do. All right, it's Rubicon is not exactly a road. But that can void your warranty. Not changing the oil at the right time can void your warranty. And it doesn't have to be at the dealer, but it has to be done on time. You know what else can violate your warranty? Overloading the vehicle. Now, a built-in scale may stop you from overloading it, but maybe you don't care how much weight you put in it. So that bed of that truck, maybe you put 4,000 sacks of you know horse manure for your garden or whatever and, it, and so the thing is the built-in scale weighs that and so you're like ah, i don't care right i'm just going up two miles or whatever i'll tell you what it's going to record that in the computer that will be recorded i don't care if they say it if they don't say it it knows okay during this time this thing was overloaded get a few of those because you go in for warranty work or whatever they pull they pull the computer codes out of the thing they can look at your maintenance history and they can ask you for it if you don't have it if it you didn't get it done there they can go hey you know you need an engine when was the last time we had an oil change did we do regular oil changes that kind of thing you have to provide proof that it was done at least as much as the uh, owner's manual says it doesn't have to be at the dealer but it does have to be done you can do it in your driveway okay but keep receipts i recommend while you're under factory manufacturer's warranty you get work done at the dealer 
All right, so it costs you a few bucks extra. It's good insurance. They have proof that it was done. They can't exactly say it wasn't done correctly if they do it. That's the other side of it. Well, who did all your work? You. Okay, you guys did. So that scale in that truck is going to hold those weights in the computer, I think. It's going to record if you went overweight, and I think that could be a problem later. It's something to really consider if you plan on getting this built-in scale. Now, people come to me and they go, Mark, what are you doing? I go, hey, what's going on? No, they actually talk to me about mileage. So when you're buying a used car, is it better to get a car with higher mileage or lower mileage? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? And I use my own Sonic as an example. Now, this car turns nine years old soon. It does not have many miles on it. In fact, when we go on Auto Trader, if you look up 2013 Sonics, Mine is the lowest mileage one compared to the ones that are for sale in the entire United States. But does that mean it's a good buy because it's low mileage? It helps its value. People think that's a good buy. But is that a best way to pick out a car? Oh, I want the one with the lowest mileage. I don't think so because this car for years has never left town. Every once in a while, I will say every once in a while, I do take it down to the next exit on the highway because after an oil change, they gripe at me. that They go, Mark, the battery's got one volt. You need to drive the car around. So, however many volts it is, I don't know. Uh, so I'll have to go drive it a little bit to get the battery charged back up, but that's it. You know, I actually have a solar panel that sits in it too to help to keep the battery charged up because it sits so much. It just doesn't get driven. And in the winter, it might idle for 20 minutes. 25 minutes before I drive it a few miles and that is not great for a car it gets regular oil changes it gets two a year which is probably between 1200 and 1500 miles in between them you know it has had other work done to it plugs and it's got its coolant changed and everything but the problem is it doesn't ever get driven and so yeah it's low mileage but you're better off having a car <laughs> that drove a lot of miles down the highway than this car look for a car that has reasonable miles for its year according to the department of transportation the average car in the united states drives 9946 miles per year no matter what the dealer tells you okay that's per car so uh, like my car isn't even close to that in fact i've had the car Ooh, a little over seven years and put 25,000 miles on it in seven years. So that is low mileage. And people are like, well, yeah, it doesn't have any miles. Yeah, right. But it never gets driven also. Mileage isn't the key. What condition is the car and how has it been taken care of up to that point? Even though it's had maintenance, it doesn't really ever get driven or heated up or anything. And I think that's worse for a car than being driven than having you know twice the miles on it let's go on a journey to oregon now it's so beautiful there boy isn't it great in oregon well it is great and that's the thing of it so there's a dude in a cinder block basement sitting on a metal folding chair with a light hanging from a string and he has a card table set up that's all wonky because one of the legs is bent so underneath that leg to hold the table steady, he's using the book, A Purpose Driven Life. And that's great because he doesn't want his five inch black and white battery operated TV to fall off of the table. Now I know what you're thinking. This guy's living the life. He's got it all. 
He's got everything you could possibly want. Moldy walls, no windows. Nice. But here's the thing he doesn't have. Money. A lot of dudes without money. Hmm. A lot of jobs available. Don't know how to put those two together. This guy, he's smarter than that. Because he doesn't just have himself. He has a baseball bat. So he takes his trusty bat out of the corner, brushes off the mold and cobwebs from it, and heads out. Because this guy is going to go get some money. Now, where would you go with a baseball bat to get money? The baseball field and bet people you can hit a ball farther than them? Maybe. This guy, this guy takes a different tactic and goes not too far from his home to the discount gun store and goes inside and demands cash. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a gun store. You may be a tree-hugging man bun wearing skinny jean wearing person i'm not sure either way at the gun store the people behind the counter are armed everyone i've ever gone into they are all armed because as it turns out there are a lot of valuable guns in there that's what this guy thought too i'm gonna get some money although i don't know how many people pay cash for these kind of things regardless of that it turns out they probably all looked at each other and said Really? Either way, when police arrived, he was being held at gunpoint by several of the employees and was taken into custody without further incident. Also, as probably no surprise, this is his 26th arrest for robbery. Now, the other question is, I guess, why is he out of jail? Okay, there's one thing as people are talking about restorative justice, this guy obviously not taking advantage of that is just a menace to society. And he is another reason why we are not on Mars. You see, we have to now house him again, arrest again, take him downtown, right? Impound his bat, all this kind of things. Do all this stuff. And what's going to happen, especially in Oregon, he'd probably be let right back out right back on the street to go do the same thing again. And so that costs everybody money. And now we can't live on Mars, the life that we're supposed to live with Marvin. And that's annoying to me because of idiot people like this. We should use that baseball bat on him and to beat some sense into him. I think that'd be a better plan for that bat than what it was currently being used for. I think the moral of the story is, is don't bring a bat to a gunfight. I think that is um, a good thing to think about as you go through life. All right. So thank you for listening today. I want to encourage you to go to the YouTube channel and watch all the videos over there. And if you have any missives or anything you'd like to send to me, mark at truckinganswersnation.com. Write to me. I love to hear from everybody here and all over the world. So be safe out there and we'll be back soon with another podcast.